Hello, everyone. This is Dr. Alan Fine. I'm a clinical professor of medicine at the Hofstra North Shore Long Island Jewish School of Medicine, and I am the podcast editor of the Annals of the American Thoracic Society. Today, we're going to discuss a very important and timely topic, which is how do we deal with lung cancer in elderly patients? And we're going to be talking with Dr. Raj Velaswamy, who is the lead author of a very important paper on adjuvant treatment for elderly patients with early-stage lung cancer. Now, you might say that lung cancer is really a problem of elderly patients. It peaks uh, in the seventh and eighth decade, and unfortunately, many of the patients have significant comorbid cardiovascular and pulmonary disease, which often limits our clinical options in terms of management. So I wanted to talk with Raj about how he recommends we approach some of these patients. So Raj, uh, is there a reason for us to consider the diagnosis and management of elderly patients with lung cancer any different than a younger individual? And I just wanted to get your take on what constitutes an elderly person. That seems to be a moving goalpost in our uh, modern American society. Sure. So yes, certainly. Elderly patients generally can't tolerate as aggressive of treatment as younger patients can. And also, elderly patients have decreased life expectancy as compared to younger patients. These two considerations have to go into treatment decisions when managing elderly patients with lung cancer. This is especially true in early-stage lung cancers, where surgery offers really a chance for meaningful long-term survival. So there was a single randomized control study conducted by the Lung Cancer Study Group in the 1980s, confirming lobectomy as the gold standard as far as type of resection. They basically found that there were better outcomes and significantly lower recurrence rates following lobectomy as compared to limited resection. The problem here is, and exactly what pertains to our conversation, is that many elderly experience age-related decline in lung function and have multiple comorbidities, as you spoke of, that relate to long-term smoking histories oftentimes. And so because of this, they can't tolerate the lobectomy. So lobectomy via thoracotomy carries about a 30 to 40% incidence of postoperative complications and anywhere between 1 to 5% operative mortality rates in all comers. So when you stratify this with age, the incidence of perioperative mortality increases with age. So in that case, limited resection is often used in the elderly instead, even knowing that there's that increase in recurrence rate. So regarding your second question about what constitutes elderly, so conventionally previously maybe someone would say older than 65, but in this day and age with modern medicine, this age just keeps changing and increasing. So uh, what is the best way of determining who we might consider for lobectomy versus a more limited resection? What, what are your thoughts? So there generally two groups of patients that you would consider for limited resection. Patients with poor pulmonary and functional status in whom lobectomy is contraindicated, a common occurrence in the elderly. And then there's patients who could tolerate lobectomy, but whose tumors have that carry a very good prognosis and lobectomy may not be necessary. 
These tumors are mainly smaller tumors and pathologically are less likely to be invasive. For example, adenocarcinoma in situ or minimally invasive adenocarcinoma. So preoperative staging and evaluation is extremely important here. Tumor characteristics amenable to limited resection are peripheral tumors, solitary tumors, T1 lesions or smaller lesions less, uh, less than two centimeters in diameter, and then no gross lymph node involvement is important, and then margins as well, so where it's thought that margins could be easily encompassed by the resection. It's also important to assess patient lung function by preoperative physiologic assessment so that you can calculate predicted postoperative lung functions. This way you'll get a better picture of who is not a candidate for lobectomy but yet is still a candidate for surgery. Yeah, these judgments are generally uh, put into the, the realm of clinical judgment because even many uh, patients who don't seem to have enough pulmonary reserve might tolerate the limited resection. So I think this is a very good approach to consider. So one of the things I wanted to get at is why uh, was adjuvant treatment being considered and being evaluated? What, what's the rationale for adjuvant treatment in early stage lung cancer? Right. So adjuvant treatment was considered for early stage lung cancer just generally to decrease this, this local recurrence risk. And so the lung cancer study group's trial showed that lobectomy had much less recurrence risk than limited resection. And it's been, it's been well studied following lobectomy regarding adjuvant radiation and adjuvant chemotherapy. Adjuvant radiation appears not to be beneficial, and adjuvant chemotherapy only seems to be beneficial in more advanced nodal positive disease. But in the situation of limited resection, where we know there's an increased recurrence risk, there's a consideration that there's an increased role of adjuvant modalities based on this recurrence risk. And are we only concerned with local recurrence, or are we trying to prevent systemic disease as well? well what was the concept of adjuvant therapy? So I think both. So with chemotherapy, the advantage of chemotherapy is it does offer a little bit more systemic uh, control versus radiation, which would be more pertinent to local control. And were these modalities employed in concert or individually, or it depended on the situation? It depended on the situation, and oftentimes they were studied independently. Let's get to your uh, paper specifically. Why don't you describe some of the methodology and how uh, you came up with your hypothesis and, and what you found? Sure. So as we discussed, elderly patients may not tolerate lobectomy and limited resection is often used. And with that increased recurrence risk of following limited resection, adjuvant modalities might play an increasing role. So we wanted to basically see a study whether there's a survival benefit and whether that outweighs the toxicity effects of these adjuvant treatments following limited resection. So what we did was we used Sear Medicare link database to identify nearly 2,000 patients who underwent limited resection for stage one and two non-small cell lung cancer less than or equal to five centimeters. We organized them into four treatment groups, patients that got limited resection alone, 
patients that got limited resection followed by radiation, patients that got limited resection followed by chemotherapy, and patients that got limited resection followed by both radiation and chemotherapy. And then we compared survival rates of these groups. But using these large population-based databases, it's important to remember that treatment allocation is not random, and these databases are vulnerable to selection bias. So for example, let's consider age. If patients that have advanced age are thought not to be able to tolerate chemotherapy or radiation, they may get limited resection alone, and age is unbalanced between the groups. As such, it may be the difference in age that is driving the results that we're finding, rather than only the difference in the treatment, which is what we want to study. And on our univariate analysis, there were quite a few baseline and tumor characteristics that were unbalanced between these groups. So patients that received some type of adjuvant treatments were generally younger, they had larger tumors, they were more likely to have nodal involvement, and they were associated with advanced tumor stages. All of these variables represent potential confounders. So what we did to account for this is we used propensity score methods to control for potential selection bias. Prior studies have shown that propensity score models are very robust in eliminating bias from measured confounders. So not to get too caught up with the details, we calculated propensity scores indicating the probability of patients being assigned to each treatment group conditional on baseline patient characteristics, tumor factors, and postoperative complications. After controlling for propensity scores, we showed that the potential known confounders to be well-balanced across all groups. So then we used Cox regression to compare overall survival for each group. We found that the use of radiation, chemotherapy, or both radiation and chemotherapy were associated with worse survival when compared to limited resection alone. These findings were statistically significant. We also looked at toxicity rates, and as expected, the adjusted toxicity rates were greater for adjuvant treatments as compared to limited resection alone. We then repeated this whole analysis stratifying the sample by size using only tumors between two to five centimeters, as tumors less than two centimeters have been shown to be equivalent with limited resection. Survival rates have been shown to be equivalent with limited resection and lobectomy. So that's why we, we looked at that group between two to five centimeters. We also stratified by stage, looking at stage 1A versus 1B and 2A. We also looked at the type of limited resection. So the results were consistent. Adjuvant therapies were still associated with worse survival when compared to limited resection alone. We additionally did extensive sensitivity analysis to look at the potential confounding effect of positive margins. Unfortunately, SEER Medicare does not record this information about margins, and there's a possibility that patients with positive margins were more likely to be treated with adjuvant therapies and it was the positive margins that was responsible for the worst outcomes. But we were able to conduct the sensitivity analysis that showed that the potential difference of the rates of the positive margins across the treatment groups likely does not explain our findings. In fact, adjuvant treatments were not associated with survival benefit, even if positive margins were six times more likely in radiation and chemo groups, and you were one and a half times more likely to die with positive margins, and these numbers are highly unlikely. So in the end, it appears that the toxicity risks of these adjuvant treatments far outweighs any survival benefit they may provide. So uh, I had two questions, two follow-up questions. Uh, one, do you think given the nature of the study, a database study, that we can truly conclude that adjuvant therapy has no role 
in uh, patients undergoing limited resection for stage one and two lung cancer. And uh, second, do you think these findings might be altered as our concept of chemotherapy is changing and we're using more biologic and metabolic uh, agents based on uh, genetic testing and tumor markers? So I know this is speculation, but I'd like to hear what you think. Sure. So regarding your first question, I mean, this is observational data. And so it's not a randomized control trial. But in this situation, this is the best we, we have. A study looking at adjuvant treatments in our early stage lung cancer randomized uh, control trial hasn't been done in over 15 years. And we don't foresee another one coming up anytime soon. But using these powerful methods to account for selection bias uh, it, with this large database and the power that we get from these large database, these are pretty compelling studies that we're able to do with them. So regarding the uh, second question about where this is going in the future, I, I definitely do see the possibility of genetic testing and markers helping us differentiate basically good prognostic cancers versus poor prognostic cancers. With this information, we may be better suited to decide which patients are appropriate for a limited resection, so those with the good prognostic tumors, and which poor prognostic tumors that will require more complete resection and even adjuvant chemotherapy and other therapies. Clearly, we're uh, dealing with uh, a situation that is somewhat in flux, but I, th I think this gives us a level of comfort about utilizing at least conventional chemotherapy and radiation therapy in patients who have undergone uh, limited uh, resection. So once again, I would like to thank Raj and uh, the Department of Medicine at the Icon School of Medicine at Mount Sinai for putting uh, this work together and sharing his findings with us. And we will be going forward with more podcasts very soon. Thanks, Raj, and you have a great evening. Thank you for having me.